This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily. Today is Monday, February 12th, 2024. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest box office news and getting into the biggest Super Bowl trailers. My name is Ben Pearson. I am an editor at SlashFilm.com. I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. And staff writer and box office analyst Ryan Scott. Hey, everyone. How's it going? All right, Ryan, you are recording from a distant location today. So if your audio sounds a little weird to the listener's ear, that's why. I just want to throw that out there up top. Okay, so let's get into it. Uh, Ryan, we don't really have a ton of box office news to talk about on today's episode, uh, but let's get that stuff out of the way first. Tell me, for example, how did Lisa Frankenstein do this week? Uh, just to preface before we get into the specific numbers, this was the worst box office weekend we've had in over 14 months. Uh, it was abysmal. Um, so Lisa Frankenstein, we had sort of talked a little bit about the optimistic possibility there. Didn't get anywhere near that. Uh, it made, uh, $3.8 million in, uh, on over 3,100 screens. So, um, not great. Uh, didn't really break through in the way that, uh, that, uh, focus was hoping it would, um, you know, even $10 million wouldn't have been amazing, but that might've been enough to help a little bit. Uh, so it, uh, yeah, it's kind of minimum. I, from what I've heard, the movie didn't cost all that much. I think it had like a $14 million budget, so it could still be okay in the end. But, uh, as we've talked about theaters need something reliable to show here. And this just wasn't really it. So, Mm -hmm. Do you have any other notable box office stuff that we should touch on before we uh, take a break? That Argyle managed to top the box office in its second weekend by dropping 63% after a disappointing opening weekend. That tells you the state of things. The only other thing I would mention is that because things were so bleak, uh, Dune, the re-release that Warner Brothers did, actually managed to crack the top 10 at number 9 with just $1.6 million and a $790 per screen average. So that's where we're at. Wow. Okay. So not ideal, certainly. Uh, definitely this rough stretch. And and we'll see if um, Bob Marley, One Love, and Madam Web can maybe turn things around a little bit this week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> we'll see how likely that is. Uh, let's take a break real quick, and then we'll come back and get into the real meat of the show. All right. So uh, Super Bowl happened last night. Uh, Jacob, you were working it for SlashFilm.com. What was your experience like with the game? Did you actually have a chance to like watch it at all? Do you, did you care about it at all? I know Ryan cares a ton. So I was curious about your participation, Jacob. Uh, I went into the game completely uh, agnostic on the teams. Uh, I, do, I really don't follow the NFL, um, but I do watch Super Bowl. But as is always tradition when you work on a Wii website, the first half of the Super Bowl Sunday presentation is nonstop work. I was juggling it 
hundred different things. Uh, Brad was on there with me getting uh, trailers published. I was working with our writers, Devin and Michael, to get you know other things written up and responses to the trailers. Uh, Devin wrote a really cool article about um, the Loki season two connections in the Deadpool three trailer, which is something that is. I need to, you don't realize you need to have the article until you see the trailer. Um, but yeah, I, I the first half of the game, I barely saw the I barely saw football. Football football was playing. I was hunkered in my computer screen, getting stuff edited, published, uh, coordinating pitches. And uh, when courses were happening, I had to keep watching the commercials to make sure that it was not something that would need the cover. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Dana Vito being on screen together again for a commercial, you know, is really neat. So that's the kind of things like, oh, I guess we should write that up, and we did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, the first half of the game was just absolutely uh, didn't see a second of football. Uh, the back half of the game um, is traditionally when the big commercials and trailers, you know, stop playing as much. Uh, pretty much nothing noteworthy happened for uh, film enthusiasts in the back half of that show. So I did get to watch the game as it actually seemed to get good. Because from what I can gather, the first half was a pretty dull affair before that overtime started happening. Yeah, certainly. That was my experience with it. And man, I, I actually thought it was like a, yeah, kind of a rough first half of football. It just kind of felt like a, a little bit of a sloppy game or kind of, maybe not sloppy. That might be the wrong word, but like a, um, I don't know, just kind of like a, a back and forth where like not a ton was happening. It just didn't seem like it was not very uh, dynamic uh, performance from, from either team really, I would say in the first half, but uh, Ryan, you're like the biggest football fan on this episode. So what was your um, experience like watching the game and, and what do you ultimately think about it? Yeah. I mean, that was, I, out of every team that made the playoffs this year, this was the most boring combination of teams that could have made it to the Super Bowl. Um, so I was a little disappointed on that in that regard, but, um, but yeah, that first half was like, it just didn't look like two Super Bowl teams, but then it really turned around in the back half and became a very good game despite itself. Um, yeah. First time we've had a back-to-back Super Bowl champion in 20 years in the Kansas city chiefs. So we moved right from that Patriots dynasty into the chiefs dynasty. Uh, congratulations, football fans. You'll lose one way or the other. Um, but, uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, it ended up being a good game. And uh, there were, as we'll talk about, there were a couple of trailers I was quite excited about. So, But, but Ryan, I have to, I have to ask, um, as a resident football guy, um, what about Taylor Swift? How, I'm joking. You don't have to ask me. Oh, no, okay. I guess I have thoughts on this, but I don't know if we even want to bother with that. <laughs> no, I just felt like we needed to uh, uh, poke fun at the fact that every single thing last night was, was Taylor Swift. <laughs> it, it was a lot. Um, okay, so I'm going to link to a few of the articles that we've written about, like some of the ads and stuff. There were a couple that I don't think we've written anything about that I just thought were like either amusing or notable in some way. I, I uh, particularly appreciated the uh, Christopher Walken BMW ad where everybody was doing god awful Christopher Walken impressions to his face. I thought that was somewhat amusing. Um, and I, I like the uh, Aubrey Plaza Nick Offerman Mountain Dew commercial where Aubrey Plaza comes out and says, "Hi, I'm America's sweetheart." Which I don't know. I just appreciated that. I thought that was like one of the better Super Bowl commercials I've seen in a long time. So uh, I'll link to a few of the more interesting ads here. But um, yeah, let's get into the the trailers themselves. Uh, Jacob, actually, before we like get into the nitty gritty of of these, um, you and I were talking right before we started recording, and you had like a a sort of thesis on. Uh, what the um, the trailer watching experience was like for the Super Bowl this year. Tell me about that. Movie trailers on the Super Bowl used to be fun, Ben. They used to be an exciting thing that I look forward to. And now I don't, and here's why. Uh, because in the days before YouTube, back in the olden times, uh, when we all learn things at the same time instead of in fandom waves, you know, we're like the super fans there first and the casual fans, then uh, the no- regular folks learn it during the Super Bowl. 
Um, we all saw the trailer reveals at the same time. And those trailers had to be crafted. They had to be immaculate. They had to be 30-second spots that took advantage of that extremely expensive Super Bowl advertising money uh, and sold the biggest possible audience, the biggest imaginable audience on your movie in 30 seconds. So you had to be pieces of art, man. Uh, and now it's just a really chaotic, clumsy, trimmed-down version of a full trailer that ends with a line saying, watch the whole trailer online. And I'm like, no, I don't think I will. Nothing you showed me there interests me whatsoever. So I will not look, watch your full trailer online. You should have hooked me in a very expensive Super Bowl ad space you already bought. So this is just my way of saying that I used to be actively excited about, ooh, what's going to show up, what trailer's going to be there, because um, I know they had to wow us. And now they don't have to wow us. They have to just uh, let us know that, that the full trailer is online, a commercial for a commercial. And that's no good. No bueno, Ben. I agree. Ryan, did you have any thoughts on that take? I mean, I definitely still get excited about the right trailer, but I think Jacob's absolutely right in that what they're cutting for the Super Bowl specifically, it really does. I don't know if you guys remember, it was probably about 10 years ago that trend started where they would release like a 15 second trailer for the trailer. Like, and then so what these Super Bowl trailers feel like now is like 30 second trailers for the trailer. And it's not even like a proper TV spot. It is just a much more condensed glimpse at what you can go look at online. And yeah, I do think that if you're going to spend that money, maybe you should try to design something a little more eye catching on its own. But I think the nature of the beast as it exists, that just is what it is. And it is unfortunate, but I do think that's true. Because what happened yesterday is made a bunch of my friends, the Deadpool 3 thing came up. And then we were like, we need to go to a quiet room and watch the actual Deadpool trailer because that's not the situation we were in. So yeah, yeah. It is, it, I do generally agree with that. Yeah. Um, okay, so Despicable Me 4, uh, they released a trailer for that movie. I am like completely out on this franchise, never seen a single one of these movies, and often uh, annoyed when I am forced to engage with <laughs> any sort of minion content, uh, you know, in a passive way even. Uh, but I have to say, I, I got to give a shout out to this Despicable Me 4 trailer because it was one of the only things that I saw that um, cast uh, artificial intelligence in the proper light, which is it, right now, it's mostly useless, and it's making the world a more terrible place. So uh, I just thought it was like a bold move for a studio to take what is an objectively true position, uh, but one that, that a lot of big companies seem to be kind of scared of, of leaning into for whatever reason. So uh, to do it in a Despicable Me 4 trailer is um, a little odd, but uh, but I'll take what I can get at this point. So did you, either of you have any thoughts beyond that on Despicable Me 4? Uh, I, I, I sort of took your, your stance on it where like I couldn't possibly care less about the minions or these characters at this point. However, I will say like, I'm saying nothing against this franchise. This might be the only surefire billion dollar movie of the year and we need it. But I do think it's cool that like, yeah, they did just like go, Hey, why can't we do this? Like they don't have to do this for the ad angle, but they could. And it generated a lot of conversation with people that otherwise would not be talking about this movie. Like my Twitter feed was lousy with people being like, maybe I was too hard on the minions, you know, like, so it does, it, it did sort of accomplish its job in the way that Jacob was sort of, you know, like saying that these Super Bowl ads typically won't anymore. So I, I, I got to con uh, commend him for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. what did you guys think about the trailer for A Quiet Place Day One? Jacob, what do you think about this? Um, my main issue with The Quiet Place Part 1 conceptually is that it's just going to be a two-hour version of the, of the first 10 minutes of Part 2. 
haven't we seen this before? Uh, is it, or is it just going to be, hey, more of the same, but in a big city and no one knows the rules, so they're just dying faster? I don't know. I love Lupita Nyong'o. I think the director here is promising, um, but it's just... I'm not so sure what this trailer is selling beyond a more quiet place. And for a horror franchise that was built upon being so unique, having such a, a clever special hook, it doesn't feel like enough. And I'm waiting to be, in, I'm wait, I'm so I'll see it. I'm just complaining. You know, I'll see it opening day. Then. Uh, <laughs> but it's one of those things where I wish there was more to this movie beyond a, the hook being it happened on day one. And that's all it seems to be special so far, but we'll see. Yeah. I'm, I find myself like, um, sharing the same thoughts that you do about the uh, subject matter, but I feel like I'm a little bit more excited about the people involved here. Like, yes, I love Lupita Nyong'o. Jaiman Hansu is in this. Um, Joseph Quinn from Stranger Things. And Michael Sarnowski is the director, and he was the guy behind uh, that really terrific Nicolas Cage movie, Pig, from a couple years ago. Um, so just the fact that he's involved here, I- I'm excited about that until I'm given reason to to uh until i'm like proven otherwise basically like uh yes this could be just another example of a talented indie director being sucked into uh, a blockbuster machine and forced to turn out a mediocre uh, final product but um i'm gonna choose to believe that uh that maybe there's something a little bit more interesting going on here just to try to be optimistic about it but um ryan do you have any thoughts on this trailer at all Look, nothing is going to match the the sheer magic of that first A Quiet Place movie. It was my favorite movie of 2018. I love that movie. I thought part two was very good. But I've accepted at this point that, you know, the genie is out of the bottle. Like, we know what this universe is. So at this point, I'm just in for, like, is it going to be fun? Is it going to be cool? Is it going to be more of that stuff that I like? And this trailer, I think my only concern is that it almost looks like it's too big for itself. Like, some of it looks very cgi very big, very expensive, but I'm still in like for all the reasons you said, Ben, like the people. And I also think it's interesting. It looks like Lupita Nyong'o's character is like a homeless woman. And so I think there's kind of an interesting thing to be said there about like her survival skills and things like that. And then also we have not mentioned Alex Wolf is in this movie. And anytime he's in a horror movie where things go wrong, you know, it tends to work out pretty well. So, <laughs> yeah. Famously, um, he was in a uh, hereditary really yeah, great in that yeah. movie. So I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, look, I'm in on it. Like, I'm definitely going to go, I, I think I'm more with you where it's like, until I'm given a reason to think it's going to suck, I believe it's going to be good, especially because Pig was so good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, th- I, I'm, I'm optimistic for sure. Even though the trailer itself was kind of okay. Yeah. But yeah. So you mentioned big CG expensive. Those were three of the adjectives that I applied to the Wicked trailer, which is another one that uh, we should probably talk about. Jacob, do you have any thoughts on Wicked? Like, what's your relationship with Wicked, at, you know, I guess uh, before this movie exists? Like, did you ever see the musical? Are you familiar with the music or the characters or the story or anything? What's your what's your Wicked thoughts right now? I'm a big fan of Gregory Maguire's book, his novel, uh, Inspired, The Broadway Show. Uh, the Broadway Show is very different than the book. Uh, the book uh, asks... What if the Wicked Witch of the West was actually an extremely complicated person in a complicated world, whereas the musical dumbs that down to, what if she was actually good? What if she was actually the hero? And it, it's a very simplified version of a very uh, fascinating, layered literary critique. That said, I, I like the musical just fine. It has some really good songs. Defying Gravity really is that good. Uh, and like this trailer is really stunning. There's some really awesome visuals here. Uh, it looks like a full-blown fantasy film, even though they are hiding the fact that it's a musical. I mean, I don't 
it worked for Wonka, uh, and I guess it seems to have worked for Mean Girls, which is a bigger hit than I thought it would be. Uh, but it's so weird to see a one of the most acclaimed Broadway musicals of the past twenty years uh, being sold as a straight up fantasy film with only a little bit of music in the background. For those of us who know that Cynthia Revo is going to be belting her way through this movie, um, mm-hmm. yeah, Cynthia Revo is reason enough to, for me to be excited. But the trailer looks, like I said, really big and lush, and um, I'm here for a musical that has the grandiosity of that used, that used to be given to musicals back in the day. So uh, I hope it's big. I hope it's good. And I hope it has that uh, the same energy I think John Chu brought to uh, In the Heights, which I thought was a really well-directed movie. Ryan, I know you're not as in on musicals. Are you? Were you impressed at all by what you saw in this Wicked trailer? I think it looks expensive. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> like, I, think it, I think it looks really expensive. Um, but I also think it's one. Of, I also think it's one of those movies that's probably going to do better than people think it's going to do. Um, it, it strikes me as a good play, uh, but. Um, I love Cynthia Erivo. I think she is such a movie star that we need to make a bigger movie star than she is. She's so great. Um, so I'm all for like, if this is the vehicle to get more people to like, you know, love her, maybe get her an Oscar nomination, maybe get her whatever. Like I'm all for that. And just because it's, you know, I have no relationship to wicked whatsoever, like uh, other than like trailer. And I think the only thing I'll say is if you're adapting a big lush Broadway musical, I know it's based on the world of Wizards of Oz or whatever, but it would be cool if it looked a little less CG and a little more tangible. Um, like there, I definitely felt that a little bit looking at it, but mm. you know, I, I think it looks like what will get people to go see it is more or less what I think. I'm really curious how the, the two parter thing is going to play with this movie specifically, because we've been talking about that over the past year. It seems like a lot of big movies have done the like, Oh, this is actually a secret part one. I mean, we knew about it because we pay attention to this stuff, but I feel like a lot of, um, you know, mainstream audiences kind of feel blindsided when these movies like fast X and across the spider verse just kind of end and like tee up a part two. And, you know, I've heard stories of people, saying that like people were groaning in the theater when the credits hit for movies like that, that have done this and wicked is going to be another one of those part one movies. But like, of course they don't say that in the trailer. So I just wonder like Jacob, you know it fairly well. Like they're probably going to end with defying gravity because I believe that's the end of act one uh, in the, the original uh, stage show. And that's like the highest high of the entire story. So like, do you think that um, sending people out on that, literal high note is going to be enough to sort of offset the um the disappointment that people might feel knowing that this is or realizing that this is just part one of the story yeah i'm I'm not convinced that two movies is the right call here i mean uh defying gravity isn't just the end of act one it's sort of what kicks the character into her arc (laughs) and it's sort of like they're 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 just going to watch uh a character go to the point where you want her to be in the halfway point of the story. It's not just cutting it in half. It's This is where an audience wants to be at the halfway point of the narrative being, being told. Um, I don't think this is a good choice. And it definitely reeks of a little bit of a good old-fashioned corporate greed because they know that yeah. wicked recognizable name. Um, I, especially since... The back half of the show doesn't have nearly as many good songs as the front half of the show. It's a problem. I have, I, yeah. I have very real problems with this. 
<laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that too. Like the movie number two in this saga is just going to be, it just feels like it, they're setting themselves up for disappointment. But um, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. Uh, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, this was one of those experiences where I really felt what Jacob was talking about earlier, where I thought the, um, whatever, th- whatever it was, 30 second teaser trailer that actually aired during the Super Bowl was kind of a, a poor trailer like the the phrase what a wonderful day was repeated over and over again and i just like did not really i was not really buying what this movie was selling but then i watched the full trailer and i was like oh this is actually this looks really good so i don't know if you guys had that same experience where you just went and and checked out the full trailer and and i guess what were your thoughts on this ryan let's start with you i know you're a huge planet of the apes guy I am. I will say this. Uh, I uh, I know the whole point is to talk about these trailers, but I did see the little spot on TV, but I am so unbelievably deliriously excited for this movie, and they already have my money probably at least twice. So I didn't watch the full trailer, but I have heard from a lot of people that it was the best trailer of the day if you actually watched the trailer. And uh, yeah, I, but I, I think that, I will say this, that 30-second spot was an odd way to sell it. It really felt like, because that was probably the first time a lot of people learned that this movie's coming. And mm-hmm. that was a weird, weird little 30-second spot. And I don't think that at all did a good job of, of like, like if to Jacob's old point, if you were going to do, like, a 30-second spot to let people know these movies were coming back, you probably maybe would have wanted to lean, like, a little bit on, like, hey, Caesar came before, and now there's this. Like, you know, connect it in that other trilogy to other people's minds that Mm -hmm. from a marketing standpoint, that's where I get a little bummed out here, but I I am personally still deliriously excited about this movie. Hey, look, I respect the fact that you didn't watch the full thing. I I didn't watch the, um, there was a TV spot, a new TV spot for the fall guy, which I just completely opted out of because for the same reason, like they already have my money. I I don't need to see any more there. I'm, I'm fully sold. Um, Jacob, did you watch the full trailer for kingdom of the planet of the apes? Yeah, this is, this is what inspired my little mini, uh, lecture earlier. Uh, it's just, I can imagine a really, really, really incredible eye-grabbing 30-second version of this trailer to play the Super Bowl. And instead, they sold it with a really bad ad for the trailer. And it, it's just, it's a problem. It's, it's, I, I'm going to I'm gonna be upset about this all day. And then tomorrow, I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the one that I was surprised by is the trailer for Twisters, which is a movie mm. that I've just, I've just had like a huge question mark around this. As soon as it was announced that Lee Isaac Chung, the director of Minari of all films, was going to be the director of this, I just didn't really know if... Um, you know, once again, if, if a promising indie director was going to get sucked up into uh, the blockbuster machine and how he was going to be able to do something that was like so tonally different than what he did with Mar- Minari, which is a really wonderful movie, but it's a very small, quiet, sort of intimate family drama. And I was pleasantly surprised by what I saw with Twisters. It made me want to go back and rewatch the original. I like got excited about the idea of rewatching that right before going to see this in theaters. And Glenn Powell looks great as always. Um, I don't know. I, I was I was like on board with this. So uh, did any of you have any thoughts on the Twisters trailer? Uh, all I'll say is that I'm I'm not saying I'm immune to nostalgia because I'm not, but I think I'm very aware of it and resistant to it and able to put up the right walls. But something about the twist, seeing the Twisters font, that 1996-ass font back, yeah, uh, made me go, oh, this, this, this really exists this actually as a thing. And as somebody who, who, you know, who grew up in you know Texas in the Southwest, um, and has always been very, very aware of Tornadoes, Twister, Twister was one of those movies you grew up in, like, just constantly watching over and over and over again as this weird, like, little 
nightmare reflection of things that could actually happen to you outside if the weather got bad enough. So I have a very deep, unusual love for Twister, and this trailer uh, was hitting all those nostalgia millennial buttons. Damn you. Damn you, trailer. <laughs> Ryan, any thoughts on this one? Uh, I guess I got to be the wet blanket here. Um, I loved cowboy hat Glenn Powell. I love Daisy Edgar Jones more than I can possibly convey. Uh, boy, this trailer looks its like the CGI is not very good, I didn't think. Um, At least it, like 96 CGI, isn't it, isn't it the point, Ryan? 96, it's for, it's for us, millennials. It's for us. Um, <laughs> maybe. Uh, I don't yeah, know. It, it, it looks... I did like the 1996 ass font as you explained it, but like other than that, I I this one gave me like bad feelings. Like this one gave me like oh no, like something. I just I don't know. I it it something about it rubbed me the wrong way. Like I just can smell disaster coming and not oh, like no. it way. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Not maybe not that like even everybody hates it, you know. But it just that it's just not like. I don't know. It, it 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 didn't do anything for me, and more than that, I like. I think my spidey sense went off of like, like when I first saw that Taron Edgerton Robin Hood trailer, and I was like, oh no, mm. <laughs> I was like, someone's gonna lose a lot of money, and that was sort of like what I think this trailer said to me. I I would love to be wrong because we need this thing to be a hit, but that was maybe where my head went. Oh man, yeah, I I just personally selfishly really hope you're wrong because I'm excited about this one, Ryan. Um, okay, so Deadpool and Wolverine, probably the biggest one um, that we should talk about here. And you know they've been teasing Deadpool three for a long, long time. This is I guess is our first official look at any video. I I believe I don't think they've ever shown a, a teaser. No, or anything this was like the that. first bit of footage at all. Yeah. So um, Jacob, I'll toss to you. What did you make of this? Uh, speaking of somebody who actually really in, like still likes uh, Deadpool one and two, I don't know, I don't know if people turn on those movies or not, or if it's if it's cool like them. I really enjoyed both Deadpool films. Uh, I really like this trailer. Uh, I think the full version is where it's at. Once again, the short version uh, barely sells what is, what's going to make this movie funny and entertaining, which is uh, just the very self-aware fourth wall breaking Deadpool stuff uh, going right after the MCU, right after Disney. There's a pegging joke like with Disney in the same sentence, maybe it was, oh yeah, this is still Deadpool. They, 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 <laughs> they clearly are, if Disney asks him to tone it down, you can't tell from the trailer. Um, I'm not as excited to see Hugh Jackman back yet uh, because I thought Logan was such a good send-off for that character. Uh, but I'm I'm still surprisingly on board with Deadpool. I watched the trailer and said, oh yeah, I'm ready for more of this. I'm, maybe it's not everybody's cup of tea, maybe people find it obnoxious, but I, I, I like Ryan Reynolds in this part and you know, let's let's see him. Let's see if they let him go after Disney as much as we hope they do. Well, fingers crossed. I actually thought it was smart to hold Hugh Jackman back in this trailer. Um, and, and that is the part that I am the most interested in, despite having really liked Logan and thinking that that was a strong uh, send off for that character. But like if they're leaning so hard into this, that the movie is literally called Deadpool and Wolverine. Um, I, I'm just like very curious to know that it's not just, uh, or, or to realize or, or have uh, confirmed that it's not just like a quick cameo. This is like a, a true two-hander type of thing. So I'm just curious to see what happens with this. I'm like not fully sold on Sean Levy as a director. He's very, very hit or miss for me. Um, and I really don't care for the first two Deadpool movies, but I feel like if there is something that's going to be able to pull me in, it's maybe going to be the return of Hugh Jackman in some way. So um, yeah, I, I find myself in like a wait and see mode, but uh, Ryan, what did you think about this one? Um, 
I'm with Jacob. I especially the first Deadpool, but uh, the second one as well. I think those are phenomenal movies. And and yeah, I feel like the tide has turned a bit. I do feel like there's a bit of it's suddenly not cool to like those movies. I don't particularly care. And uh, I am Logan to me is one of those masterpieces that transcends the superhero genre. Like it is a genuinely fantastic film and an excellent send off for that character. So I am very hesitant about this. However, if they handle it just right and like, you know, okay, this it doesn't, you know, you don't feel like Logan is negated in the process. Then like I can get behind it, but I will say without calling it this, it definitely looks like Deadpool kills the Marvel universe and like, like the old Fox universe. And that is pretty cool. Like, and because even, I don't even know how many people realized it, but the one guy in there was Pyro from X-Men 2. Like, and so I'm like, oh, wow. Like, they're like, they are going to bring back a bunch of just like people we completely forgot about. And I'm betting anything, they all won't be on screen very long. Uh, and so that seems like kind of a lot of fun to me. And uh, yeah, I'm on board for this. I'm totally on board for this. And I'm curious what you, what you think, Ryan, about them clearly using characters and ideas from Loki season two very heavily in this trailer and very heavily in the movie's plot. I mean, I'm assuming it, this, this, it will be structured as, you know, you'll know what the TVA is immediately. If you're a newcomer who just watches Deadpool but not Marvel stuff, you'll figure it out in a few seconds. But it, 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 it feels like a, the kind of choice that was made back when people thought the Disney Plus shows would be a much bigger deal than they actually turned out to be. It does, but I do believe doing this in a Deadpool movie makes the most sense because he can sort of poke fun at the idea and he probably can just be like, make it simple for me. And then like, you know, like, or what, however you accomplish that. And I believe you can make this work in the confines of a Deadpool movie without confusing people. And so I think that like, it's not Owen Wilson, right? Like it's not some of these things that like you're expected to understand right away. I think if it's just more like, because a lot of people have seen, um, you know, Doctor Strange's Multiverse of Madness. A ridiculous number of people have seen Spider-Man No Way Home. The concept of the multiverse is not, like, impossible at this point. So as long as you can convey that this is, like, an organization that exists within the multiverse, I think it'll be okay. But yeah, yeah I do think that this was definitely a decision that was made when they thought everyone was going to watch these shows. and Because I haven't even finished Loki Season 2 yet, full disclosure. Like, so, you know, it, 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 yeah. So I do think that's a thing, but I think they're also going to be smart enough about how they manage that. It's weird. Cause like, I, I agree that that part feels like, um, a leftover from a different age almost, but at the same time, this trailer is like, he's saying he's Marvel Jesus. He's going to be the one who's able to sort of like basically breathe life back into the MCU, which seems like a, a more modern thing. Like that seems like almost like a reshoot type of thing where, and, and I'm curious how much of the movie changed when Disney realized, okay, we're just going to, you know, scrap our release slate for superhero stuff, except for this movie and pin all of our hopes on Deadpool three being like a huge deal. Um, and like maybe the turning point that, that every, that can basically like get us back on track with the superhero stuff. So I, I just wonder like if the true story will ever come out about like how much this movie changed and how much weight it has on its shoulders and like what the filmmakers felt about that and how many things needed to be tweaked along the way and all that it just sounds like a really fascinating sort of behind the scenes story. So um, yeah, my like, suspicion is there's been, oh, perfect for this kind of job where you have to have to balance studio politics above making a good movie. Sorry. Side note. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Ryan? Uh, I was just going to say I, overall Deadpool three. I, I think this is a movie that probably has had like 15 scripts. Like, you know, like if you go back to when they were developing it right after Deadpool two and, figuring out if they're going to do an X-Force movie first and then 
the Disney buyout. And then I think there were two or three versions that we knew about before mm-hmm. this one got greenlit with Sean. So I think there is, but this movie has been through the ringer as far as like versions go. Um, and I do think the one thing they might've done during that shutdown was maybe tweak some things uh, in regarding like, to your point, like, Maybe we do need to be more self-referential. Maybe we do need to take out references to things and maybe we do need to try to correct some of that stuff. And yeah, I do think that there was a lot of thought put into the idea that we need this to work and we need this to work badly. So there's pressure on for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that's going to do it for today's show. You can find more about all of the movies and the stories that we mentioned on, on the show at SlashFilm.com. I will link to a bunch of them in the show notes, so you can check them out directly there. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Overcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please uh, subscribe to our newsletter. There's a link for that in the show notes as well. Send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailback topics to us at bpearson at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That does help us out a lot. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you all tomorrow.